0: Today is Wednesday, February 10th. The title for our devotional is Time. As we look again at the Incarnation as a model for ministry, we see that Jesus first came to our location, that is, earth. Next, we see that Jesus spent a lot of time with us. Our verse on the Incarnation is John 1:14. The first part of that verse reads like this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, In the Incarnation, we see that Jesus comes to earth and lives among us for roughly 33 years. Of course, this is all rather silly speculation, but there seem to be many other ways that God could have redeemed the world. Appearing as an adult and leading a Jewish rebellion to overthrow the Romans would have been a much faster way to the cross. Instead, Jesus comes as a baby, lives 33 years on this earth, and in doing so, spends tons of time here. Most of that time we have no record of. This he does, not just to teach us about God, which he could have done in a weekend seminar, but to show us who God is. In the midst of the last supper and the farewell discourse of John 13 through 17, Jesus has a profound exchange with Philip that reveals this theme quite clearly. Let's read John 14:1 through 11. Jesus says, "Let not your hearts be troubled. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Jesus seemed appalled at Philip's demand to see the Father precisely because Jesus has spent so much time with him that Philip should know by now that Jesus and the Father are one. Remember verse nine, Jesus' response to Philip is, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me? True knowledge of Jesus' identity then is the fruit of time spent. It is one thing for the Pharisees who spent relatively little time with him watching his life, his teaching and his miracles to not believe in him. It is another thing entirely for someone who has spent the last three years with him not to believe. To do ministry like Jesus, then, we must build trust with people over time. This time spent with others should bear witness to our integrity and point to Jesus. It should be our prayer that after spending time with our spouse, our children, our families, our friends and co-workers, they see our good deeds and give glory to our Father in heaven. Like Peter and John in Acts 4.13, when others see our lives, they should recognize that we have been with Jesus. additional content today, I've linked you to a quick Facebook post by Alan Hirsch, who is defining his concept of uh, incarnational ministry and the missional movement in the missional church. So here's what he writes. I use the word to describe that mode of missionary engagement that takes its cue from the doctrine of the incarnation of God in Christ. If missional refers to our sentness as believers or the church, then incarnational shapes the way we should engage in that mission. God came into the world in an act of profound identification, not only with humanity as a whole, but with a particular group of people. That he was in the neighborhood for 30 years and no one noticed says a lot about God and how he engages the human situation. The Incarnation thus shows us that God speaks from within a particular culture in ways that people can grasp, understand, and respond. The Incarnation gives us the primary biblical model of engagement. This is how God does it and we who follow his way should take a similar path. Incarnational mission requires that we contextualize the gospel in ways that honor the particular cultural and existential situations of various peoples without compromising on the mission itself. If missional means going out, that is being sent, into the world, then incarnational means going deep down into a culture. In my various writings, particularly in the Forgotten Ways and Untamed, I suggest that we can think of it around what I call the six P's, all of which follow the model of God in Christ. And he says, this is a poor summary of what is said more extensively in that book, which Forgotten Ways is a good book. You should pick it up if you're interested in the incarnational mission model. Six P's, he includes our presence, the act of identification with a people group being present to them, proximity, going to where they go, being in their spaces, so to speak. Provenience, trusting that God is already there, calling people to himself in and through Jesus, and that we can thus join with him. Powerlessness, actually, this does not mean that we do not have power. We do in gospel and spirit, but rather that we take upon ourselves a servant form and be humble in our engagement with others. Athos, we suffer with others. We empathetically feel and understand their pain, their struggle. In a word, we are a people of compassion. Proclamation, that having loved and cared for people we seek to reach, we lovingly, boldly, and verbally proclaim the gospel in ways that make sense to the culture of the people we are reaching. Again, that is uh, from Alan Hirsch, and it's a quote, or a summary of what he says in The Forgotten Ways. For reflection, let's think of the foundational piece of discipleship as time spent together. How does that change your current perceptions of discipleship? How does that change your personal discipleship or your apprenticeship to Jesus? Does this line of thinking make discipleship less intimidating? If you want to disciple people for Jesus, commit to first being a good disciple of Jesus yourself. Then commit to spending time with people whom you can influence christ the idea is that your apprenticeship to jesus will be evident to those you are spending time with so that when you are with them you will effectively be leading them closer to jesus